I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners, past, present and emerging, of that on which this podcast is recorded, the Turnbull and Yagara peoples. Straight coming down. Henry knockout grand final here in Dubbo. This is League on Country, a yarn with the First Nations grassroots rugby league community. I'm your host, Maxi Brown, Larrick here, man, and my passion is rugby league. In this show, I'll be taking you from the city to the country to everywhere in between, tackling the challenges and passing on the stories of our great game, what it means to our mob. Today, we're in the heart of First Nations Rugby League in Redfern, talking to the Redfern All Blacks. With 78 years of history and the first ever Indigenous Rugby League club in Australia, we dive in to hear about some of the early days of the club and yarn with some of the current senior players too. Like Wally Hamilton, a former player, Wiradjuri man, who was part of the team throughout the 60s and the 70s. One of the guys from Walgreens, they and a couple of guys from Kempton, they kicked it off. I think we kicked off with about six teams, four or six teams, you know, with just the one day thing then. We'll also be chatting with Parramatta Eels, NRLW coach and Owen man, Dean Wetters. Before Dean was the head coach of the Eels, he was a coach for the Redfern All Blacks between 2013 and 2020. With his coaching, he led the team to taking home a record of four South Sydney Junior Rugby League premierships in a row and two New South Wales Koori knockout wins in a row. As well as having one of the most celebrated careers in rugby league, Dean is the National Indigenous Pathways Manager for the NRL. He's done a lot of work helping provide new opportunities for First Nations coaches and players, as well as being a prominent figure on NITV with Over the Black Dot and Feed and Scrum. But first, the Redfern All Blacks. Alright, let's get into it. The Redfern All Blacks were Australia's first Indigenous rugby league team based on Gadigal land and founded in 1944. The club has been home of many NRL players, including Greg Inglis, Nathan Merritt, Wes Patton, Gordon Tallis, Darren Pindle and Dean Witters. The RAB have played a massive role in Sydney's community for over 80 years, giving so many connections to country, kinship and competition. I wanted to find out more about how the team developed, so I spoke to an older fella who was a part of the club for over 60 years. Um, my name's Wally Hamilton, Wiradjuri man, a former player and committee man of the Redfern All Blacks Rugby League Football Club. And how long have you been involved in the club for? Oh, 1961. Can you tell me a little bit more about sort of the early days of when you were involved? In the 50s, the Redfern All Blacks played in stipulation that you played in the junior league, you had to have a an A grade, which is an open, open age team, supported by a, a kids team, a younger age group. So he, he shopped around and found ex-players, guys that have been retired. He brought them out of retirement and, and got football club folded and they no longer played in the South City Junior League. And then what I can recall in 1961, a guy called Ken Brindle wanted to reform the group and re-enter them into the Junior Rugby League. One of the, the commitments that you uh, had the guys to form the A-grade team, and then he recruited under-19 guys. And uh, I was, I happened to be one of them. And they accepted the Redfern All Blacks back into the South Sydney Junior League competition because they had two teams, an A-grade and a C-grade, which is under-19. We were struggling with players because we had the A-grade, the open-age team, and then the C-grade, the under-19s, and we were struggling with the players when, when he reformed the group. We had 
maybe 13 players, just enough for the field of team. And we, we had most probably uh, 11 Indigenous players and, and two white fellows, you know. We play on the Saturday, the under-19s, and the A-grade play on the Sunday. Some of us would back up the younger fellows and play with the A-grade on the Sunday because they were struggling for players. As word got around, as the blacks would reef 62, 63, 64, they started to grow, you know. We could field a decent team type of thing, you know. But it's not just the A-grade teams that get all the love and support. It's the junior teams who play on the weekends who are just as important. And yeah, just yeah. T- tell me what it's what it's like when you when you're down there watching the juniors and watching the kids play. Oh yeah, mate, it was, it was funny watching them because they'd be building castles in the sand or something, or it, it was a, a wet day. They'd be sliding around in the mud and <laughs> not knowing which way to run and all that. You know, it's, just it's chase all, all chasing the ball. A lot of them were, yeah. 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 Maybe three or four will be playing in the sand or throwing, making mud pies or something. <laughs> oh, they've got the nappy grade, sorry. Nappy grade, yes. I've, I've heard that term yeah, since I've been here. Six year olds and all that, eight year olds. They play Sunday mornings and whatever, you know. Some of the best players even started in the nappy league. Ezekiel and Luciano have been a part of the league since they were in the under fives. My name is Luciano. I play for Redfin All Blacks. I mean, my family has connections back to West Dallas Springs. You play in the seniors? Yeah, yeah, I play for the A-grade team. Who else have I got here? Ezekiel Phillips, young Dungati man, but born and raised in Redfern, playing for RAB as well. And even though they play in the A-grade team, they still recognise the importance of the junior league. When RAB plays, to be honest, like the whole community gets around it here. Um, you get the energy from the supporters and family, so it's always, it's always a good, good, you know, good Sunday. Like over playing the different levels of rugby league, like I don't think anything can really beat playing for like for your community where you grew up and where you're from and where your father played and where your sister played and you know just that having the backing of the community because we always get good crowds to our games, you know, like with the local side and um, yeah, you can't beat it when you everyone you're growing up with is there and you know backing your team to get the win. Yeah. Joining a footy club when you're young can have many benefits. Having a sense of belonging and community is so important. And um, have you seen or uh, the use of Footy sort of being the escape, or the, you know, the, an avenue for for youth to, you know, get out of the trouble, or you know, all that kind of jazz. Yeah, 100%. Eh? Honestly, it really helped with like a lot of the young the young lads around here. Like a, a perfect example would be like Fox, Josh Adekar. He'd be a perfect example of that. Like a lot of the kids around here love footy, and they a lot of times when they're getting in trouble, it's just because a lot of the time they have nothing to do. So like footy's all everyone's going to be playing a game of touch somewhere. You know what I mean? Around the community, so. A lot of, a lot of old, older, like older lads and young kids, like part of the community, gathering up and playing touch. You know, it really helps a lot of the young lads who are going through tough times get through them. You know, but it's not just the footy that these guys that take part in; they do their part to help the community in many different ways. We um, help the younger kids in the community out. We're mentors, part of Tribal Warrior. So, yep. myself, I'm a mentor. Lucci works as a programs coordinator. Yeah. Yeah, I do like the data collection for our programs. So I work with Tribal Warrior, but we work with DCJ, with the kids in out-of-home care and in protection and stuff. I'm just part of that, like, little processes between, that, you know, discussions. But if there's one thing every RAB player or fan loves, it's the Corey knockout. Goes, oh, and a play's been taken out there by Redfern, but it's play on. Advantage paid here. Robinson gives the pass out wide. Ryan passes the ball back into Latrell Robinson. McGrath tries to make the tackle on Latrell Robinson. Four 
The first knockout started back in 1971 for the Sydney locals and now attracts more than 40,000 fans around the country. I asked Ezekiel and Luciano about their experiences taking part in the knockout. Yeah, so I've, oh, I might have only played a couple knockouts because I've had a few surgeries, like a few injuries, so I think I've only played in a couple. But you always usually play with the blacks. Yeah, every year um, I think I've played, how many senior, senior knockouts? Probably... Senior ones? Probably since I was 16, I'm 23 at the moment, turned 23, but yeah, since I, was, I played my first one when I was 16, 15 in Dubbo. And first time I played, James Roberts is killing me. <laughs> oh, best bloodlines, and yeah, he was just making. I was playing fullback, and they were just kicking, kicking early. Just he was just putting so much pressure on me. So yeah. And I like the knockouts also known for the big biffs too. See him at any punch ups or any mop I know myself. I'd probably get, I'd probably get knocked out. <laughs> My first men's one was in 2017. I played in the second side. We played chalk side, and so we had him, Tyrone Peachy, and a couple of, like New South Wales Cup players in it. They end up playing on the wing. I usually play in the middle, but I was on the wing. And every time I took a run, I just got put on my head by these old fellas. <laughs> That's all they did. They just grabbed me by my knees, chucked me straight on my neck. But yeah, no, it's always good fun. Whether you're a player, a fan, everyone has their favourite knockout story. It's a long-running tradition for any footy fan. Wally took part in the earliest knockouts. He told me this story. I think the guys from Curry United at the time, Denny Rose and uh, Bob Morgan and all, a lot of the guys from Walgut, they and a couple of guys from Kempsey, they kicked it off. I think we kicked off with about six teams, four or six teams, you know, with just a one-day thing then. After our, our local comps finished in Sydney, because Curry United were playing over in the Newtown Junior League, and we were playing in the South Sydney, but then we had teams from the South Coast, Kempsey, and the far north coast come down and they'd have a one-day knockout type of thing, you know. And uh, were you sort of involved with any any travelling to other communities, uh, you know, on the bus sort of thing? Yeah, yeah, we took uh, – well, I was uh, driving a truck at the time and in those days I was licensed to drive a bus. Yep. And uh, we took a load of uh, – players up to Moree in uh, 67, I think it was. I drove the bus up there and, and uh, we played in their local knockout as they had up there. And and we we made the final, but we got beat by the the local team, which was lucky because they, they were very radical, those Moree mob. They, they surrounded. We beat one team earlier in the, in the carnival. Yep one of their labor teams and they surrounded the bus and didn't want to let us let, let us off the ground. Oh. Looks like they were going to roll the bus. Because <laughs> <laughs> we beat their label teams, you know, with a favourite team or something. See, that, that shows a lot of pride in what they do as well. Yeah, and then the next day we got beat in the, whatever, semi-final or the final, one of the semis or something. The best part of the knockout isn't just the game. It's the people you meet, the places you go, and the stories you get out of it. Plus, it's good to watch a good punch up. Can you do you have a sort of an idea of you know what you'd like to see the club do in the future? Something that's different to what's happening now. Well, I haven't been involved with the club for the last few years, but they did have a, a good run of success four or five years ago, where they won the premiership four times, four years in a row. Wow! Which I don't, which I don't think has been done by any other club in this junior league. Yep. And any fan of league would know, it's not just the players and the coaches that make the game possible. It's everyone doing their part through volunteering, 
helping in whatever way they can do, keep the spirit alive and keep the game growing. I remember we had a couple of guys that used to run the line, we looked like the water, what we call water boys, you know, the sand ducks type of thing. Yep. And we had a couple of guys that do that every Sunday. They'd come down to train and choose and serve whatever nights we trained and give the boys a rub down and we'll tape them up and then Sunday when the game was on, they'd be there to do the same, rub them down and give them a, strap them up in whatever niggling injuries they had. Now, on to something different. Dean Witters. Dean Witters is an Anawan man and former rugby league legend who played in the 2000s and the 2010s. He is the current coach for the Parramatta Eels in the NRLW, but was the coach for the Redfern All Blacks between 2013 and 2020. Today, he also works in the NRL as Indigenous Pathways Manager. I wanted to talk to Dean because he has had a massive impact on rugby league for our mob and he continues to help and support those in the community in so many different ways. So I'll start off and I'll just sort of ask you what, you know, who you mob, where you're from. So I'm a proud Anawan man from Armidale in northern New South Wales, the home of the Narwhan Eels. All the Koori mob down here know about the Narwhan Eels and that's, that's my hometown's rugby league team. Um, Playing the crew knockout and won the knockout a few times. And something we're all extremely proud of up there in Armadale is the, the Narwhan Eels. But yeah, Anawan man um, from Armadale. Um, so here's a little story behind the Narwhan Eels, how it formed. Yeah, it's a good story too. Uh, the local Aboriginal players were playing football up there in Armadale. They couldn't get a run with a lot of the teams when it come towards the end of the season where the finals were. They play hard all year and get the teams in good positions. And for big games in the grand final, a lot of them were seem to be left out of teams and dropped at the last minute. So the players thought, you know, the only way we can get a get a go is put our own team in. So they say that was formed because of racism in the town. But the Narwhan Eels so successful in their early years that they changed racism in Armadale and a lot of non-Indigenous people really grew to love the team. And the players united the town for the first time possible in, in a big way and out of the back of the success on the rugby league field came achievements in education, employment, in housing, in health. Like all these outcomes come off the back of a football team bringing a community together. So that's something that we're all extremely proud of up there in Armour and something that we we look forward to representing every chance we get for some of us that moved away like myself to every year come knockout, we look to go back. And talking about moving away from country, moving away from home. Tell us how you got scouted to the Roosters. Well, I was part of a rugby league team, the Deval High School Koalas, we were called, our footy team, the Koalas. Um, we had a lot of success. I was in year 10 and our team went all the way to the final of the University Shield statewide competition and played all the teams from Sydney and and, and beat them and, and went really well. In the, it used to be the Commonwealth Bank Cup back then. So we had this red hot school footy team, we're mostly all Indigenous boys too in the team and we, um, all the boys I grew up with and went to school together, we sort of got scouted off the back of that. I think there's around nine of us in that team that ended up sort of getting some sort of connection or association with NRL clubs at that time. And I was lucky enough, I had a few chasing after me, but when when Artie Beats and came to Armadale to have dinner with my parents, 
my dad said it was only one choice. I was going to the Roosters to play with Artie Beats and then and we looked after with him and lived with him for a while. So um, that's something that I'm proud of too is that how, the, how my journey was connected to the great man like Artie Beatson, you know. Wow. That's uh, that's incredible. Great arts, Beats. And it's a little bit before my time because I'm, I'm only a young fella. Definitely have watched a lot of videos of his playing days. Yeah, bro, he was a legend, eh? He was just a great bloke. Um, obviously, his achievements on the rugby league field were incredible, but it was the person he was off the field that everyone remembers, you know what I mean? Like, it's he just you just wanted to be around him all the time. I remember if, he, if there was a car ride and he had to drop you something there somewhere, you just wanted that car trip to go forever, eh? So you could just sit there and talk to him and be around him, you know, being in his company. I, I really loved it. They had that sort of, uh, you know, that father figure um, sort of role. Yeah, yeah, definitely, you know, especially for me living away from home in Sydney. He was the one who sort of took me in and took care of me and my parents trusted him and he kept his eye on me and he, he, he definitely guided me, you know. He gave me a lot of good advice about football and life and, and all these sorts of things over the years. And is that sort of something that you've sort of carried on to helping other mob, younger mob? Yeah, bro, I think like, you know, he, he was part of creating a legacy for a lot of us as young football footballers, and he created a massive ripple effect. Mm. You know, myself, Justin Hodges, Joey Williams, David Peachy. There's a whole list of us, Matty Bowen, big list of us that he'd sort of played a part in our careers when we were young blokes. You know, we have to build on that legacy by going and making a difference to other young kids. And his work's reflected in a lot of the achievements that we have in Indigenous space in rugby league these days. Yeah, really important for our mob and for the game in general, I think. So since retiring... Uh, what sort of coaching roles have you been involved with? Oh, brother, it's been, been heaps, eh? So I, I started off, obviously, community level, just training my, uh, catching my knockout team, the Narwhal Eels, you know, my cousin Dennis Moore, me and him sort of do that together over the years. And it was something that I wanted to get back into when I finished full-time playing, you know, in the professional leagues. And I, I moved to Sydney from the Gold Coast. I, I was in England playing for three years, and then I come back and lived at the Gold Coast for about 12 months and was working up there alongside Preston Campbell. And then I got this opportunity to come back to Sydney and I thought, oh, well, if I'm coming to Sydney, there's only one club that I want to be involved in and that was the Redfern All Blacks. So I went there and started coaching there. And I, I coached the, the men's team there. I coached my son's team and I coached my daughter's team as well. So I was coaching three teams in and I even took up an under-sevens team there at one stage and there's just little kids that I didn't even know, you know. I just, but I went down there and... My big thing was was around Redfern was that if we did some good things for the players off the field, you know, we have them connected to becoming better men and doing better things in the community, you know, get a lot more positivity going in the community, we'd have all the success we wanted on on the field. So, you know, we started domestic violence code of conduct, uh, and we were suspending players or we'd get rid of players if they had trouble if she's in that space and they didn't want to go and do anything about it. We'd have a lot of educational or awareness sessions there where we'd, we'd teach players about it all and, and get, create a better understanding about it, educate our, our players about um, domestic violence and the damage it does and understanding their role that they play in changing the community. We'd, we did um, stuff with uh, drugs and drug dealing in the community. We, we had the policeman, Luke Frudenstein. He was the boss of the Redfern Police. He was our head trainer at Redfern for all those years. Yeah, wow. Great bloke, and uh, you know, then we just connected with a lot of lot of different things. We had uh, ethical relationships, workshop and program put out to our young boys in the club. We do all sorts of things, you know, and 
I remember saying, like, you know, there wouldn't be a trophy cabinet big enough if we get all these things right off the field, we'll win everything. And then we did. We broke the record in the South Juniors competition for most premierships in a row with four premierships in a row there and won two Koori knockouts in a row. And uh, there's a lot of success with the women's teams and everything down at Redfern. And something that I'm real proud of is that's where I started my my coaching career was down at Redfern. Yeah, I got to spend some time in May down there at training, interviewing a couple of lads as well. So definitely feel that vibe around the grounds too. Oh, man, it's a good feeling down there, eh, Russ? Yeah, it's pretty, it was pretty deadly. Indigenous women's all-stars side, did you do some coaching as well? Yeah, yes, I started coaching the women's Indigenous team at the all-stars and I really enjoyed it. You know, I've got the girls, it was um, teaching the girls about hard work and, and then also... Same thing, you know, acts of gratitude and empathy and we brought all that sort of stuff off the field, things into the into the environment. And yep. I remember the the first time we won the All Stars game and coaching the coaching the girls to that, it was such a challenge because the team, the All Stars team that we played against was virtually the Gillaroos and they they'd gone through a period where they were undefeated everywhere there for a while. So it was, you know, some of the best young players coming through, like Samoa Taufer and Eliana Walton, all them girls were, were in this team. And then they had Ruan Sims, Renee Cunts, like some just all good football players, Sammy Bramner. So the list goes on. And uh, we had all the girls in our team, none of them were even getting picked for New South Wales or Queensland back then. And we just got a group together, led by, by Lavina O'Mealy and Simone Smith, Bo Dela Cruz, Nakia and mm-hmm. Caitlin Young then, Jasmine Alendi and Candy Kennedy. Like, these are some girls that just trained as hard as they could for that period and were great girls off the field. And they come through and they, they won that All Stars match. And um, something I was really proud of, you know, to see that I could coach at that level and, and also get the best out of a lot of those young girls. A lot off the back of that, a lot of those young girls, they went and got their first ever rep jerseys, you know, playing for the Gillaroos and New South Wales after that, you know. So that was something that I was really proud of as well. Yeah, definitely with that concept, I guess it gives a lot of opportunity for our women to, you know, put a jersey on. Yeah, well, bro, that's their pathway, you know, and that's the pride they have in representing our All-Stars get team certainly takes them to the next level and we try and use that pride and that motivation, inspiration that they got at that level to propel them on to, you know, playing high levels with the Queensland and New South Wales and the NRLW now and, and playing for the Gillaroos, you know, that's, that's the ultimate goal for them and we want to play our part in, in the pathway on, on pushing them along towards those things. All right, just just quickly, I sort of congratulate you on the Parramatta Eels NRLW head coaching role. Yeah, well, no, I appreciate that and uh, certainly something like, you know, I've, I've been involved in coaching in three NRL clubs mm-hmm. in, in the women's space and that's the Roosters, South and Parramatta and in the same order that I played in at that <laughs> virtually nearly, you know, and so I only played at three NRL clubs and I coached you now only at three NRL clubs, so I'm really proud of that fact, you know, and I love that, so, you know, it's, it's certainly a challenge and but it's something that it's it's a good challenge, you know. It's something that I really enjoy doing, and hoping that you know, in twenty twenty two season we can get a good result for our Parramatta women's. No doubt, I'm a Broncos man, so <laughs> we'll go to, go for the girls up this way. So I'll talk about a little bit about your TV sort of commitments, just quickly. Why is it important for our mob 
to have our own rep- representation when it comes to shows like Over the Black Dot and Feeding the Scrum? Oh, well, we try and look at it as, you know, it's showcasing black excellence that we can be in front of the camera and we can articulate uh, the game and we can showcase our skills on how we read the game and review the game and and also show a side to the game of the game that Indigenous people love, you know, the flair, the excitement, the the, the ability to read and take risk and weigh up risk, I suppose, that, that our players play the game with that natural flair, um, but also highlight our players' stories, you know, and their journeys and, and our community's connection and their story with rugby league as well is important to highlight to the wider community. And, I provide, you know, I feel that, that the NITV over the Black Dot show, we provide that. We, we work hard to tell those stories and it's something that I'm really proud of. And, look, we always have an all-black fellow cast and, yeah, it's just getting that out there in front of our mob and telling the stories of our mob and, and stuff like that, really important. You know, we come from hundreds of thousands of years of storytellers and um, mm-hmm. and sport is our new, you know, it's new culture for us as blackfellas. That's the way we we share and grow and learn and participate together and, and come together. So culturally, sharing cultural protocols as well in some of the stuff that we do in, in sport these days. So, yeah, I love I love the opportunity that I get to be part of NITV, which I think is amazing, and then also to be on the over the black dot, which I think, you know, just does a really good job. And for me, I'm really determined to keep improving the show as well and, and doing well, and that's something that, you know, I always like as a challenge is how do we make that show better? And I look forward to working with our group of guys now that we've got involved in it that all, all look that way as well. They all want to make the show better. Yeah, no doubt. I've I've been watching that show for many years now, and yeah, it's been something to look forward to. So, and who's who's been your funniest guest on the show? Oh, bro, we've had you know Josh Kerr is a bit of a dry, funny <laughs> guy. You know, he's he's always funny. Josh had our cars, obviously. Yeah, funny bloke on there. Um, you know, the boys all like to have a bit of fun and a joke, and that's another part to the show. I think they relax around it. They they they're just black fellas who play sport when they come on the show. You know, like this. Uh, they don't have to be serious about the answers. We don't hit them with too many serious or yeah, yeah, negative sort of stories or controversial stuff. We we just like to have fun and let let people know they are away from footy. So, but obviously Georgie Rose, you know, he's one of the <laughs> ones that oh, I really love working with George. You know, and he, he's always got good yards, funny stories, or or can pick out funny events and and highlight them, which make you laugh. So, uh, I'd say probably out of all the guests, George will probably be the funniest. Big George. All right. So you work currently working in the NRL as the Indigenous Pathways Manager. What's that? What's that? Uh, what's that job title entail? Well, it just involves like um, they obviously got the elite pathway in the game, which is all the junior rep clubs and and the, the representative teams that we have. But look, our kids don't have a lot of access to that, especially ones who live in rural and remote communities. So we work hard at NRL to try and provide them opportunities to still be part of the pathway no matter where they live. So we have our Go Winners and our Gems programs. You know, we have the Go Winners and Gems are all our players picked outside of the big cities and their league competitions. And we put rep teams together from them, put them in programs and and then also get them to play at national championships. You know, the 15 school boys, the women's national championships, we have a Gems team there. They do really well. Both those teams do really well. And then when the All-Stars isn't on, we have the Festival of Indigenous Rugby League, which is the Goanas and the Gems teams play against New Zealand Murray. So we provide those opportunities. We do some stuff with coaches as well in all those programs. So always trying to get young Aboriginal 
and Torres Strait Islander and coaching staff and performance staff as parts of those teams. And that just provides them to have that access to that pathway and get noticed as well. And we've seen with Jess Skinner and Ben Jeffries, myself, Ronnie Griffiths, we've all been through that pathway and then now involved in NRL clubs, you know what I mean? So working out there, we had a fair few of our staff go to NRL clubs and, and do state teams and stuff like that as well in the performance staff group. So it's creating pathways in many different avenues in the game. Um, but just also just giving opportunities to all those mob out there that play the game in their hometowns and still want to try and make it to the top. We want to try and give them give them an opportunity. Something I'd like to see is probably some uh, indigenous representation at the executive level in the game. Oh, bro, non-existent at the at the executive level. Even at coaching, you know, in NRL coaching structures at the moment, and <clears throat> the amount of staff they got there, there's not many blackfellas there, you know, so. We've got to get as many Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders as we can into that space. Executive level, you're dead right. There's so many of our mob that can contribute to the game at that level, but we don't see that happen enough. And that's just, you know, that unconscious bias. Um, and these are just barriers and walls we've got to break down, you know, and we've got to keep walking forward. We can't sit on our hands and complain. We've got to get up and move our feet and do stuff. And that's good for me to at the NRL to be part of, you know, a, a group of people that are, working hard to try and break down those barriers. Uh, what kind of advice would you have for any mob looking to, you know, get into a NRL, you know, employment or a career outside of playing? Well, I think it's just know what your passion is and know what it is what you want to do and then just go and ask. Go and ask for opportunities. Go and ask to volunteer your time, make connections, build connections, get noticed, you know, do those things. But volunteering at your club and, Go and asking at your local, you know, professional club or your NRL club and just ask, are there opportunities? I want to do more. I want to work in the game. Um, what's around? I want to be physio in the game. I want to work in marketing. Uh, I want to work in sales in the game or finance team in the game. I want to work in the community programs in the game. Just let people know. Just go and talk about it. Put your hand and up. There's pathways there. All right, Dan. Um, thanks, thanks, for, thanks for your time today, brother. Uh, no, bro, I appreciate it. Hey, thanks, everyone, for setting it all up for me, and uh, good luck with all your podcasts and stuff, bro. Right? Cheers, bro. Good to talk to you. All right, bro. That's all we have time for today. Thanks for listening. This has been League on Country with Maxi Brown. Mama. Mama.